one of the, the fundamental challenges that teams can have is an absence of trust. And one of the quickest ways to reach that is to um, sort of bring your whole self to work and be a little bit more willing to um, be vulnerable with ideas and suggestions. And a way to get at that is sort of like telling your story, telling your, your history. Um, doesn't have to be deepest, darkest secrets and fears, but just like, you know, hey, I didn't know you had a camper, like the conversation we were having 10 seconds before you started the recording. Hey y'all, I'm Chase Clemens and this is the Support Ops Hangout. This is a show that helps you deliver a better support experience to your customers. Now, as always, we've got some of the best support pros in the business and thankfully they're all here this week, which is really (laughs) exciting. So let's go ahead and make sure you know everybody. Jeff, you're going last this week. Carolyn, Carolyn's going first. Carolyn from Buffer, how are you? I am well, thank you. We're having a bit of a storm, so it's possible my electricity could go out, but otherwise I'm great. <laughs> and then Chase Livingston from Automatic, the other great Chase. How are you? Hey, doing well. Glad to be back. And then Jeff, as promised, your moment of uh, introduction here. Jeff from Wistia. How are things? They're great, Chase. They're so, so good. Thank you. Aw, I'm glad I asked. So this week, uh, we've all heard the phrase before, it's not personal, it's just business. And maybe you've even said it yourself, but is that really true? So in this episode, we're going to continue in the uh, fill in the good manager question with this belief that regardless of seniority, every good manager will care personally. So Carolyn, let's uh, kick things off with you first. Uh, that whole keeping it professional phrasing, for me, it kind of feels like it, it like denies that we're all humans working on a human team with other human people, right? So why, why does sharing things from outside of work matter to the growth of your team? Like, why is it important? Um, yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know that I have too much to add to that thought. I think you basically captured it. Um, work okay, a bunch let's of go home. Yeah, we can go home. Um, one, one book that I might recommend on this topic is the five dysfunctions of a team. They talk a lot about, uh, and that's specifically about a management team, but, um, uh, one of the, the fundamental challenges that teams can have is an absence of trust. And one of the quickest ways to reach that is to, um, sort of bring your whole self to work and be a little bit more willing to um, be vulnerable with ideas and suggestions. And a way to get at that is sort of like telling your story, telling your your history. Um, doesn't have to be deepest, darkest secrets and fears, but just like, you know, hey, I didn't know you had a camper, like the conversation we were having 10 seconds before you started the recording. Um, and anytime I've experienced that where uh, people have a chance to work together for longer, get to know each other a bit more, or are explicit about that exercise, it does result in more honesty, um, better decisions, um, less drama in a group. So um, aside from just the, um, it's a more fun environment to work in, it's also better business. So what's some ways that you're doing that with your team because one of the unique challenges with buffers that everyone's remote, right? So it's kind of like, how do you, so I imagine like Jeff, when he walks in the office, it's like, Hey, how you doing? Like I saw your new Porsche outside. Like, let's talk about that. <laughs> how do you do that with, with buffer? Uh, great question. Um, we have a variety of ways that we try and do that. Um, Nicole on our people team, uh, formerly community, you may know her, um, is sort of spearheading a lot of different, 
experiments and initiatives with this. Um, there's a water cooler question um, in a Slack channel once a week. We have impromptu hours on Zoom where people just drop in and chat. Um, different groups are paired together in order to just get to know you um, when you're a new team member or things like that. And of course, retreat, getting together once or twice a year um, is also a big leap on that front of getting to know your team. So um, yeah. And we're all like Facebook friends and very involved in each other's social media, which also helps um, viewing stories and things like that is, is another uh, way of getting around that, not knowing, not being able to say like, Hey, how was your weekend without being really intentional about it? So Chase, I imagine Automatic kind of has the same problem. Like as you are remote and you're at that scale, what ways are, is there any, you know, like kind of not policy, that's not the right word, but like those, like Carolyn was talking about with the uh, weekly uh, water cooler chat or the zoom hours and things like that. Is there anything similar that Automatic is doing? Yeah, we have. um, So we have some dedicated channels in Slack, um, you know, first off for just water cooler talk and things like that. Um, we also have, uh, so I've talked about our various P2s and stuff before that we use for communication and we actually have several of those. So we have just a general water cooler that you can essentially post anything. Then we have, um, a music P2 for new music. Um, we have, uh, I think we call it, uh, AC baby or something like that. So like kid pictures and kid stories and that kind of stuff that we can post same one, very similar for animals. Um, so pets, uh, that kind of thing, introduce new pets. That's what a lot of people use it for. Um, just posting pictures of new babies or pets. Um, and what else do we have? I mean, you know, amongst our, so that's like company wide, essentially, um, you know, anybody and everybody, as you know, involved in, in looking at those. And then obviously amongst our teams, uh, a lot of times we have like a, you know, a private Slack channel or whatever that is, you know, just for our team. And so that's where we share, you know, how was your weekend? Or, you know, this is, you know, my kid's sick and I'm having problems or, you know, whatever you, you might share and, you know, with a, a close friend or your, your close teammates at work, um, that's where we would do that. So definitely a few different uh avenues and, and ways to to sort of share that kind of stuff but with a company the size of automatic it is a little little bit interesting sometimes um and so a lot of it defaults to you know your your own team and not necessarily company-wide unless it's like a like i said a birth announcement or, or something like that all right jeff give us the the uh view from everybody at the same location kind of thing you know i'm, I'm assuming when you park your Porsche outside or whatever it is that you drive, you know, people can comment on it, but, uh, yeah. What, what, is this like an inside joke? What's the Porsche thing? I just really hope he has a Porsche. I, don't know <laughs> okay. with it. I think he has a bike. <laughs> I do. It's a sweet bike. <laughs> Not even a sweet bike. Oh, darn it. Um, yeah, you got me. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it is, I think a little bit easier when you're all in one place. Um, but also you don't feel like you need to make as an ex- as explicit of an effort as you do when you're remote. Mm-hmm. So something that kind of got us good over the last couple of months is we, we now have two offices. They're really close to each other, but they're still physically separate. And we went into it thinking like, okay, it's a two and a half minute walk between offices. People are still going to see each other. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. It actually has had a, like a material impact on the number of people who are thinking like, wow, I haven't seen you in forever. Mm. How does that impact the way that I work with you, the way that I talk to you, the way that I trust you when you say you're on it? What does that mean to me? Um, 
And I think when you're the, you know, the head or, or a, a senior member of a remote company, I bet you're thinking a lot about, okay, we've got new team members starting. How do I bring them into the fold? How do I make sure that they're set up with someone who's more veteran to get to know the company and some of the people? Um, what are the, you know, like, like Carolyn was saying, what are some of the routines that we have that just put a, uh, like a coffee date on people's calendars, even if it's remote? Well, we never had to do that before. It just happened organically. And now a combination of being geographically separated and just the size of the company, you know, as you approach like that hundred person limit of people you can know, um, that combination is, was kind of sneaking up on us as opposed to being something we intentionally planned for. Um, I mean, in terms of getting to know people, I, I do think FaceTime is the most important. So wait, I'm curious, like, what do you do about the two, two minute walk? Is it just, is there like an intentional, like, Hey, I'm working from here a couple of days and then going there a couple of days. I don't think, I think it might be intentional on the personal level. Mm-hmm. on the individual level, right? I try to do that, like go through both offices every day. Um, and I think I'm lucky because some of my best friends in the world are, you know, just outside of work are at the other office. So I'm very motivated to go swing by. Um, but there's nothing at a, at the company level. I think we've tried a bunch of events and little things here and there to make sure people are changing up offices. Um, but there's nothing that keeps track of what does the traffic look like or how often are people seeing each other? Um, there's no quantitative way to say, are we losing touch with each other? Um, and that scares me. It does because we're not prepared for it. That's so interesting. I mean, like you said, it's literally just like a, a few minutes walk and you're running into the same problems that other teams have with uh, the remote setup. We're all just so good. How many people? We're right in front of us. Sorry, go ahead, Carolyn. How many people is it total in both offices? Uh, maybe 85, maybe 90. Um, and so we're starting to hit that limit as it is of the number of people you can know. You get People tend to move more to the team level at that point. Totally. But, I mean, at least for us, we challenge that because we have a lot of cross-functional teams. So you're, you're not just knowing your functional team, you're also knowing the... Um, the, the cross-functional team that you're a part of. Um, and that may, you know, we, we find that those are most successful when they're all physically near each other. Um, so there's a whole, there's a major challenge with the matrix model when you're spread across multiple geographic locations because, you know, the, the functional area is housed in one place, the, co- the cross-functional team is somewhere different. So you just can't be in both places at once. Um, I think it's a really critical function of managers to find a way to resolve that. Yeah. I know when I was at the deli, you know, each deli is its own self-contained little unit and you would have, so like with us, we had like five or six different locations inside of our, our region and that we had a regional manager and he was really great about basically jumping between all the different ones. You know, he would be here for a day, then at the next location for a day and at the next location for the day. And when he was there, it was, he made an intentional effort to go and, and talk to each of the, uh, the managers that was at that particular location. And even if it was just straight, you know, we've been calling it like water cooler stuff, but even if it was just like that personal care stuff, like 
Hey, how, like, how's your new kid? How's your wife? If you just moved, how's that going? Like last time I know that, um, you're talking about some family member was having medical problems. Like how did that turn out? Just all that random little stuff that shows you they care. So like Carolyn was talking later, when you do have to have a difficult conversation, that trust is already there, that, that caring is already there. Um, Jeff, I think you mentioned this on the last episode about listening, how, um, you know, we were talking about building up that trust with, with smaller things and easier problems. That way, when you do have to have a difficult conversation, like that trust is built in, you're there. Um, I think this personal caring works the same way. You're, you're establishing that, um, I think last time we talked about it, like as almost like a water tank, like you're filling up the tank so that when you have to have a, a tough conversation, it's, you've got that to expend for that conversation. Yeah, I don't know how other teams do that. Like, I think something that we're not doing a good job of um, is our, um, especially at like the senior leadership level, there's a lot of people as the business has grown that don't get FaceTime with senior leaders. Um, And so if there ever had to be a hard conversation, I think it would be like, whoa like you know the, the so overwhelming like there's no trust the only trust that's built up is sort of the assumed trust of we hired you so i must trust you and you're the boss so there must be some level of trust for example i i our our um head of marketing is fairly new if if she wanted to influence the decision that was being made on another part of the company that wasn't marketing i don't know how she would do that like how she would have built up the trust um, to reach across to different functions. I, I'm just talking out loud about this. I'm just airing laundry at this point, but like I'm really fascinated by how a remote company would handle that. If you brought in someone new at a senior level, how would they be, ex- or, or even would they be, I guess, exposed to people who aren't on their immediate team? So we did. I guess I can jump in here. Um, we did something recently. Um, we brought in, so his name is John Maida. Um, you might've heard of him. He worked at MIT and especially Jeff since you're in Boston. Um, but he's, you have John Maida on your team. Yeah. So he's, he just recently, um, came in as our, basically our head of design, uh, as well as diversity. So he's working on a lot of, uh, diversity and inclusion stuff as well. Um, and I think it has been interesting um, with him, you know, onboarding, uh, you know, somebody at that senior of a level. Um, but he's also been very intentional himself in trying to interact with people, you know, outside of his normal team and um, learning the the different parts of the company. Um, he was super available and open at our last green meetup and was like always talking to somebody new and, and just meeting folks. Um, so I think a lot of it has to do with the person themselves, just putting themselves out there and, and just sort of poking their head in and various projects and things that are going on saying, you know, Hey, this is cool. Can I, you know, help, or, you know, here's a suggestion, like a drive by suggestion or, or anything like that. Um, and so far I think it's gone really well. He's you know become integrated and I, th- I feel like he's, you know, now doing a, a super job, but being involved in, you know, tons of different aspects because it's a, you know, a pretty wide ranging role as far as design, as well as, you know, diversity, inclusion, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, it's a, it's definitely up to the person just as much as it is the company's culture, I think, to, to sort of help with that, that onboarding. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So one of the things that prompted this week's question was I read a book right now called radical candor, um, by Kim Scott, 
Um, and it's really, really interesting as far as this kind of management perspective from um, kind of the, the big companies think of Google, Apple, um, along with smaller startups that, that Cam uh, founded in this case. And there was one that caught my eye. That's why I was like flipping through really quick trying to find this because I was like, I just read this last night. Um, and Cam was talking about uh, going... Uh, going into the office when uh, suddenly a colleague started to um, get her attention and ran up and was talking about he needed a a kidney transplant. He was freaking out about that. So Kim talked to the employee about that. Then then Kim moved on. It was uh, the next one was like a a conversation with another employee about how their son did in baseball. Um, And finally, so the the line is Kim gets to uh, to the desk and says, um, you know, is it my job to build a great company or am I really just some sort of emotional babysitter? And um, the, the answer that Kim got from Leslie, uh, an ex-Microsoft executive, was that this isn't babysitting. It's called management and it's your job. Um, so I think, you know, all too often we think about like these little conversations that's just kind of like babysitting, right? When in reality, it's not like that's part of your job as a manager is to, to establish those relationships. And if that means some of your other work doesn't get done for, you know, 30 minutes or an hour or whatever, that's just, that's the trade-off to having relationships with the rest of your team that are solid enough and deep enough and built on care and trust enough to, where you can um, have conversations with them later that are work-related and you can, you know, have the and you can get that work done. Does that make sense? And to add to that, if you close yourself off from that and decide that that's emotional babysitting and say like, well, you know, check your personal life at the door, that doesn't change the fact that those people are thinking about those things during the workday. It just drives it underground and then they don't feel like they can tell you and then, you know, you're not included in that discussion of dealing with the challenge and, you know, adjusting responsibility or whatever expectations accordingly. It just means that you'll be surprised by it. So that's totally right. No, it's a hundred percent right. Yeah. Now the challenge, like you said, is like, how do you, when you're an 80, 90 person team, like how do you, how do you filter up the conversations that your team is having up to other managers and how do you do it cross functionally cross team? Right. And man, I don't, You know, so I've seen some companies go as far as to have like one central like HR type database where they have whenever they have conversations with uh, with members of the team, even if it's small ones, they'll make sure to like dutifully log it in and write down what date it was and what the conversation was. And, and then, you know, you kind of have that weird data thing that way. That's a little weird for me. Um, I think for the most part, like here with Basecamp, um, you know, when I want to like when I want to catch up with somebody on another team, I, I just send them a, a private message and just do it right. Like um, we have a, a check-in. That's what did you work on this weekend? Uh, not what did you work on? What did you do this weekend? Uh, it goes yeah. out every Monday. Um, everybody tends to answer it. One of the things that uh, caught my eye today was Chris had a beautiful block of clear, just crystal clear ice for some uh, different cocktails that he was making it was really interesting. So I just, you know, sent him a message like, Hey, like, this is cool. Like, how did you like get into that? What did you start doing? Like Chris isn't on my team. He's, you know, he works elsewhere and I probably won't work on a project with him in the near future, but it's already like starting to, to become invested in other people. Um, so if we do work on a, like a, a project later on down the road, then there's already that start of a relationship there. Um, granted we're 54 people at Basecamp. We're not 90, 
Um, so it might be a little bit easier to our size. Yeah. I mean, I, Carolyn's like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. What was, what was the thought there? What with this, like, yeah. Yeah. no, yeah, I, I think you're being humble. I think it's just as hard at 54 as it is at 80 or 90. It's just being intentional about it and accepting that that takes time and building that into the culture and making it acceptable that people spend their a, a few minutes of every day doing things like that, talking about ice, um, which talking about ice. that's a cultural thing. <laughs> I do think there's something to making that explicit. Yeah. If it's going to happen either way. People could either feel like it's like worthless time that they're not supposed to be spending, right? Like, Oh, if the boss found out that I was spending my time asking people about ice, like <laughs> they would be really disappointed in me or it's somehow encouraged Mm-hmm. in like a smart way by the leadership team. Um, I don't, you know, maybe it's a model thing. I don't know, but certainly emphasizing the fact that those connections are why it's easy for us to reach across into a new group and say, Hey, I, I've got a really good idea for this or, Hey, we've got a problem and I need to work with somebody on this team to get it done. And there's a lot of trust around like when Chase says that, that must mean there actually is a problem, not, you know, he, he doesn't know what he's talking about or actually who is that guy? Does he actually work at base camp? Um, so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting problem. I, I think that some companies work through like abstraction where it's just not that necessary for someone for marketing to work with someone from support because support has their goals and marketing has their goals. And the only time that they would meet is at a higher level where someone's like, Oh, they're not meeting their goals. So maybe we should talk to them about that. But I don't it's a tough think, example because marketing and support interact all the time. I, it's interesting. I think there's a lot of organizations where they don't. Um, but yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I feel like it, even on our team, they're, they're definitely not the teams that interact the most. But my, my own theory is that the, it's that like sort of hyper-connectedness of people and teams lead to like people taking more risk and, and like joining up on these like, crazy ideas that just happen to span the two teams or something like that. And I don't know how to foster it. And it feels like it's getting harder and harder, even with the advantage we have of all being in the same spot. There's also a serendipity that sometimes causes that magical thing to go the other way. Instead of you having an amazing idea and feeling comfortable reaching out to another team because you are friends with them. Sometimes it's you happen to be having lunch with somebody from another team and over like, you know, lunch or drinks or whatever that looks like, you know, bumping into somebody in the kitchen or a more intentional remote version of that. An idea comes from that. So I think it's, it goes both ways. And um, I think you're right to be really intentional about it, about setting up the the situation where that's possible because there has to be a culture of it being a thing that happens before it happens. It's got to be intentional. Yeah, it's think about all the uh, the time and effort spent on planning out your your company's next cycle, like product cycle, right? Think about all the um, research that goes into it from the customer perspective. Think about all the um, design elements that go into it, the planning around the programming, bringing in the ops team to to like whatever um, you know whatever elements you need from them on that particular thing. Like we spend all this time developing a, a game plan for a, a feature or a product or whatever. 
And that's great. You're working on the product, but you also have to do the same thing for your company. You have to work on your company like that. Um, your company is a product, just like your actual product is a product. And whatever time and energy you're, you're pouring into the product, I think you have to do the same. You have to at least the equal amount, um, if not more, but at least the equal amount toward your company, making sure that the, the processes that you have for working are working, making sure that the boundaries you're setting for work and life are working, making sure that um, you're spending time and intentionally um, talking with each person on your team and, and other people in your company. Like it's one of those that it, Maybe, maybe it is me being a little humble and it's like, Hey, it's base camp. It's 54. Like we can do this. But I really think there is a, um, an element of you have to be absolutely intentional with your relationships, just like you are intentional with this is the next feature that we're building because the, the feature is going to come and go. Like you're going to finish that project and you're going to go on to the next project. The relationships are the ones that you are going to continue hopefully for the next five years, 10 years, 15 years, however long, you know, they're going to stay at your company. I know like we t- like tech people tend to jump around after a year or two, but at Basecamp, you know, we just celebrated someone that had been here for 13 years. Um, there are people that have been here for 14 years and 15 years. Um, and that's the end goal. The end goal is for you to be here, you know, um, for, for 10, 15 years. And you can only do that when you've developed these relationships, not only with your managers and from managers to the rest of the team, but also with, you know, the leaders of the company, the CEO and CFO and every other C letter up there. Um, so I think to, to like answer that, like you have to be intentional with developing those relationships. Like we we're talking marketing support. If you want your marketing person to have more of a connection with support, then they have to be intentional about going over to support and Hey, do you want to go get some coffee? Like, I just want to like get to know you better. I don't have any end goal in, my no like master plan or project I want you to work on. I just want to get to know you. Um, and, and you don't have to be as weird as like keeping track of all that. That's a little weird, like with databases and all, but you know, the, the more time you can spend with a person, the better you're going to develop that relationship. And just one last thing, this is uh, one of the, my favorite quotes so far from radical candor. Uh, Kemp said, only when you actually care about the whole person with your whole self, can you build a relationship? I think as you're talking about that, as you were just going through that description, um, almost all of that I feel like has to be driven by leadership and expectations in some way. Mm-hmm. Because when you come into a new company, you're like, I don't know, really know what the culture is like. Like, is it acceptable for me to just go up to somebody and say, what's going on? Like, I'd like to get to know you. And also like, uh, is it expected that I'm going to make an impact on my functional role in the first couple of days? Like if I'm John Maida and I'm, and you can find me like talking inclusion efforts with, you know, the new group of, uh, automaticians or auto, wait, automaticians, automaticians, automaticians. um, yeah. is my boss, is my brand new boss going to be like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you spending your time doing this? So somebody has to spe- set the expectation of, Hey, when you join, like, I'm not expecting you to like change our world, you know, even though you're an expert at email, transactional email cadences, I'm not expecting you're going to rewrite all of our cadences in the first week. I'm expecting your first week is going to be getting to know all kinds of people across the company in a sense of what we do. Uh, That, that stuff has to be communicated. It, it'd be kind of weird to go into a company. You'd have to be extremely self-aware and confident in your uh, standing to be able to go and do that. Yeah. You got to give them, 
you got to give them permission, right? Like Jason and David have to be doing that at some level. They are at some level, but I think it's also something that the teams have gotten better at on a team level. It's one of those where, um, you know, people on sport team have said, you know, look, we're just, we're going to get better at this. We're going to get better at developing relationships with, you know, each other and with other people in the company. And then we just did it. And it's fine if it feels weird for a while. Right. So like you just randomly go up and have coffee with a person that works at your company. And, you know, even if they're, they've been there longer than you, you, you know, you just kind of like go out and have a conversation with them and, and see what happens. I mean, it, Jason and David definitely encourage um, an open communication here at Basecamp, but there is a lot of kind of back to the uh, turn the ship around mentality. There is a lot of like state what you intend to do and then do it. And it doesn't matter how long you've been here um, because oftentimes the people that are brand new to the company, I think we talked about this in the last episode, but the people that are brand new to the company have a lot of insight about things that we might be blind to. Um, so we might yeah. not know we're not communicating well on a relationship level and somebody comes in and says, Hey, like, <laughs> I just want to get to know you better. And then all of a sudden that like a light bulb goes on. You're like, Oh, we should be doing this more. Um, Agreed. Also yeah. from a human nature perspective, like nobody doesn't like being told, I think you're an interesting person and I'd like to get to know you better. Like n- that's like never a bad thing ever in any relationship. So uh, live extent with automatic, like how is it, is it very, cause you know, uh, Jeff was talking earlier about like giving, uh, like, you know, stating somewhere and making sure that the leaders, like it flows down from leaders with automatic, with new hires. Is there ever like that moment where you just come out and say like, Hey, look, you know, we're like, we're giving you this permission. Yeah. I don't, um, I think a lot of that is probably up to each individual team lead. Um, but I think there is just sort of an understanding based on some of our like onboarding stuff that, you probably aren't going to be super productive, you know, at least in your first little while. One of the big things that we do is, uh, well, so every new hire goes through a support rotation, um, you know, immediately after being hired. Um, and, you know, along with that, you get a, um, a mentor for your time at Automatic. So somebody who's been there, you know, at least a day longer, but more than likely, you know, a couple of years longer than you have um, to sort of help guide you through becoming an automatician essentially, not just, you know, in support, but in all aspects of the company. Um, and so I think that's one of the, you know, the big things that that mentor is going to cover with you is how we communicate, how we, you know, get to know each other, um, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, so there's a, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily written down or, uh, you know, stated explicitly, but I think the way that we, you know, sort of go about our, uh, onboarding and hiring new folks that it's sort of, um, made clear and, and obvious that, you know, that's okay. And it's going to, I mean, you're not going to get into your job for at least a couple of weeks because of your support rotation anyway. So um, there's definitely that, that freedom and, and that kind of thing there. I think. We have both a role buddy and a culture buddy from that perspective of someone who um, is you're paired with to like learn the culture and the ins and outs of how we communicate and, I think people who take that role seriously have more successful buddies, like their buddies when they take it seriously as a culture buddy. Are. Is that the same? Are they the same role or is that two different people? Two different people. I like that. A culture buddy. 
See, this is usually with culture stuff. I usually go in and find out what Buffer's doing because it tends to be just like spot on. <laughs> Interestingly, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, to uh, somebody's point, I can't remember who made it. Like, um, it's an ongoing discussion at Buffer if that person should be in your team or not. Um, because sometimes it's there are pros and cons to both, but teams can do things differently. And so a culture buddy in your team is more likely to know the ins and outs of your, you know, specific team culture, but also you would have probably gotten to know that person and those things better anyway. So someone with an outside perspective can offer something different. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We try different things. The real answer, Jeff, is just to move everybody back into one building. (laughs) Could not agree more. But that even goes by floor. I mean, at Emma, when we changed floors, like it was a very different experience for my team. So when we sat near sales versus when we sat near support. That's wild. Just moving up a floor. Made a totally, total difference. See, that's one of the things I do love about remote is that you, so like with, with that example, right? Like support moving up closer to sales. Like it's not like either one of you really knew that you were consciously doing all this stuff. Probably it was just like, that was the culture that just naturally developed with your team. And now they're, you're sitting next to another team. That's just a little different. And mm-hmm. with remote, um, you know, we, it, like it forces you to be aware of that kind of thing, just because you've got so many different people from all over the world that even, even smaller things like, um, like today, today is Monday, April 17th. That's a bank holiday in, in most mm. of Europe, right? Like that, if we were a, a, a team sitting in Chicago, we would never bump up against that or any conversations that go around that, right? Um, so it forces you to like be aware of that and then, you know, um, kind of figure out how you're going to deal with it. One of the things that I'm just thinking through this challenge a little bit more, one of the things that we do that I really like um, is uh, before someone starts, they send out an email that talks about them and like their background, how they got to now, what they like, what they're like outside of work. And I'm just thinking about the situation where, because we don't have that much experience hiring senior leaders, but yet we want to, we want to be doing more of that. Like we think there's a lot to be gained from like someone who has, can bring all their experience into the company. And in that case, you want, it's silly to, to have someone who has a ton of experience and opinions on the way a company works and they don't feel like they know enough people to be able to have, to like share that insight, right? They like keep it to themselves because they're like, I don't want so many toes. I'm brand new here. I don't want to be the asshole. Mm. Um, and I feel like the context that's missing that you might not even get if it's like you're going out for lunch, like talking about your significant others and your family or whatever, is what do you care about? Like, why did you come and do this? And it feels to me like if you understood that, you know, that's the context that we build about each other. Like, I know that Carolyn cares so deeply. I mean, we all do, but I know like from working with Carolyn that she cares so much about the experience that the customer has and like, are we valuing their time? Are we treating them the way that they should be treated? And so if she comes in and she's like a bat out of hell, like super pissed about something we're doing, I know it's not because she's trying to be a jerk. It's because we fell short of like what she cares about the most. 
Like I already have that little bit of context for like, a, Hey, we need to talk about X and Y project. If I already get that from Carolyn. Right. And uh, you just don't, you don't have that. If, if you don't get to know the person on like a, what do you care about level? That's what we're missing the most of. And I don't know how to build that at a remote or a non-remote company, whatever the title, the word is for that. Um, especially as it gets bigger, I don't know how to do it. It like comes from so much time, but yet it's not just time. It's the function of like the people running into each other and having these little conversations. And as the company gets bigger, you just have fewer people like running into each other and, you know, talking over lunch and whatever. It just, yeah, I don't know how to do it. So Carolyn, if you were to leave Buffer today and get a job with another company, same kind of seniority level, what would be your first kind of thinking as far as starting to develop relationships with other people in that company? Not to put you on the spot. Or like <laughs> that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it's, it sends a big message when somebody comes in and says, I want to get to know individual people and the culture here. Um, I agree with Jeff that there's, there's a line between being so timid that you don't bring that value that you were hired to bring. Um, but also admitting and acknowledging and having the humility to realize that you're probably going to be more effective if you get more context, um, and get to know more people. Um, so yes, I think what we talked about earlier, just coming in and saying, I'd like to get to know you, um, is, and you know, depending on if it's remote or not, or if the company puts intentional effort into that kind of thing, um, can make a big difference, but you know, a cocktail party isn't really the way to do it. You know, get to know you breakfast is, is nice. Um, but it's probably not, um, not the most effective. I really like, I really like Jeff's suggested question of what do you care about? Um, and if you were to get fired up, what would it likely be about and why, and what history do you have to, uh, to have created that passion? Um, I think that's a really great prompt. You know, so we hired, um, I guess a year ago or so, we hired Mercedes, who was going to be our chief operating officer. So, you know, C-Level had wild success at previous companies that she was at, um, you know, brother at that level from the outside. And one of the things that really stood out was she was very, um, I hate to like keep using this word, but she was very intentional in the fact that she wanted to get to know you. And so that was, you know, we're setting up a time, we're going to have a call. And I remember one of the first conversations that I had with her, she, uh, the question was, um, so why are you at Basecamp? And it was very much a question that was like, what brought you here? Like your history that brought you to Basecamp? And then why are you staying at Basecamp? Um, you know, why are you still here after five years at the time? Um, and it was one of those where every couple of conversations she would like cycle back to something along those lines. Like um, it wasn't that exact question, but it was something similar. Um, and, and what she was doing was she was just getting to know me better and getting to know why I was at base camp and, and what I was doing there and, and what I was interested in doing. And then um, when she started new projects and started, you know, forming these project teams, she put the right people with those right interests on them and it, it really worked well. And, um, 
So yeah, I think that was, you know, bringing in somebody from the outside at a senior level like that, it's, they have to be intentional and in, in developing those relationships in the beginning, realizing that it might not feel like work, right? And it feels like you're kind of cheating the company out of money when you're just asking about these like kind of personal questions, but you're establishing that personal care that will help with projects that you've got going forward and, and development of your team going forward. Mm-hmm. All right, so I hate to be the like time snob here, but we're running up against the uh, the the longer edge of these. Uh, anything else anybody wants to throw in before we close this one out? I have an unrelated shout out when we're done with this discussion. Okay. Next episode is just going to be Jeff. He's just going to throw every question that he's thinking about at us, and we're just going to like see what we come up with. Shout <laughs> it out! I want to hear the shout out. All right, what do you got? Okay. Um, I was on vacation last week and I read a really great book that I think um, everyone has to go get. Uh, It's called I Am Pilgrim. It's a thriller. That's all you're going to give us on that? Just like go buy this book? Yeah. If you like thrillers. (laughs) (laughs) I was just kind of waiting for you to like go into the thriller Michael Jackson song or something. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we'll have that along with all the other uh, things I've got to ride this week and, and all that other good stuff that goes along with the, the episode show notes and all that fun stuff up. It'll be up shortly. Supportops.co. Let us know what you think on this particular one. Let us know how you're, uh, you're, um, you know, bringing that personal care aspect into the, uh, to the team and to the uh, rest of your company. You can email us. It's hello at supportops.co or on Twitter at supportops there. Thanks again for listening. And until we see you again next time, have an awesome week.